Hey guys, welcome to another episode of J Crypto. Today I just want to do a part two about my NFT intro. I'm going to be doing these kind of a lot, giving different examples, filling in different examples. I just find it a more sustainable uh, way to do my content. And I think people are going to probably learn more from these than if I just show you a screen and freaking, I don't know, just talk for like an hour. So I got my notes here from last episode. If you haven't gone, check it out. Episode one. We talked a lot about decentralized autonomous organizations. We talked a lot about underlying cryptocurrencies of coffee shops in the future. Please check that out first. Do not watch anything to follow if you haven't because this is just a part two to that. And it's not going to make sense unless you watch the whole thing. I started off on that video pretty basic. So if you want to just skip the first few minutes, that's fine. Go for it. But uh, I think this is going to be a really, really good one for a lot of people. I'd spend a lot of my time talking to people from the traditional financial world. And I was in the real estate world. So, you know, guys like Robert Kiyosaki are just like, I, I, I just I just love that guy. <laughs> he cracks me up. Um, guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, too, a technologist. So I could relate to Robert because investment, real estate, you know, passive income, um, building assets versus liabilities was something that I intuitively kind of grasped due to my own circumstances. And then Gary Vaynerchuk, always on the forefront, business guy. I don't know how he does it, man. I would I would not want to be in his shoes, man. I would hate to be in his shoes. Because um, he, he does so much content, too. And a lot, I mean, I, I don't care. I wouldn't care if people took me the wrong way. A lot of people take him the wrong way. But he does so much content and he runs all those businesses. It's crazy. It's crazy. He, he definitely has a lot of skills that I admire, but just not what I'm trying to do. I just want to make content about this stuff because it's so it's so revolutionary. I can relate to him because he, he's on the forefront of every technological shift. Okay, so in my last video, I talk a lot about this technological shift. I give you a real example of how it could relate to a coffee shop, a local coffee shop. It's kind of more of a rant, but I want to pick up where I left off. Okay, so we discussed how there's a, a 3% fee on tokens in the third generation of tokenomics. And that fee can be divided amongst the various expenses, whether it's marketing, whether it's, I don't know, uh, insurance, whether it's to the holders of the underlying asset. There's a lot of flexibility there, which I think entrepreneurs and businesses will really enjoy. Now, another aspect of decentralized autonomous organizations and the NFTs within them is this idea of voting because the community, if they own a lot of the underlying token of this futuristic coffee shop, for example, then they get to decide what the coffee shop does or if there's a question of the coffee shop owners, hey, what should we do this week? Should we have a special this week? And incentivizing the community to participate because for one, we have never had a situation where in your local coffee shop you have to own you know ten thousand dollars worth of their their tokens to get a free coffee every day. But with the blockchain, this is now going to be possible. So if you own that much of a stake in your local coffee shop, it's going to incentivize you to vote on things that you think other people will enjoy and like because that will bring more revenue to the coffee shop. 
hence making your asset or investment into your local coffee shop. This is why I always say the blockchain is going to be hyper-local in about 10 years. Um, going to just make it super accessible to you because you're going to want to go and vote. You're going to want to do things for the benefit of the business for the first time in our lives. Because most of the time we go to a coffee shop and we say, how expensive is their coffee? I know it's good, but you know, I don't want to pay you know $8 for a cup of coffee. But now if you're invested in it, you might not mind paying a premium on the coffee because you know that it's going back to you. And if you own enough of their tokens, maybe you set a goal for yourself to do that. You know that if you own enough of your tokens, you're going to get a free coffee out of it just by holding their tokens. And um, why this is where this is going is one more example. So there's this decentralized exchange. I think a lot of uh, misconceptions are out there about decentralized exchanges. There's a lot of people I've noticed who think that decentralized exchanges are only for crypto projects. What a decentralized exchange will basically allow us to do is is peer-to-peer trading amongst digital assets, okay? A real decentralized exchange operates on a similar landscape of a decentralized autonomous organization coffee shop, which is a DAO, okay? So it's community-owned, community-driven, okay? Communities will vote on the yield given out to farms. And I think right now that's the only thing that they're really caring about is how much yield can we get by providing liquidity. And the reason why they care about that is for two reasons. Number one, whether you're a yield farmer and you own a bunch of pancake swap tokens, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, don't worry if you don't, I'm going to circle back in a different analogy that will make sense to you. You care about it for reason number one, because more yield on the liquidity attracts more users, increasing your underlying token because more people are using it and more fees are being generated to buy back and burn pancake swap tokens. Number two, you just care about it because you're a DeFi user and you want higher yield and interest rates. Okay. So why this is going to change is because once we realize that decentralized uh, exchanges can be a vehicle for us to provide liquidity amongst hyper-local situations like a local coffee shop where a centralized exchange just, it's going to be very hard due to regulations, due to, uh, I don't know, just, it's going to be difficult because monopoly rule, like monopoly violations, if there's one centralized exchange that every company can list on, I mean, there's just a lot of questions about that. And I'm not saying that it can't happen. I just think that a DAO is a much easier way to do it. Um, and plus, this is just a future example. So so just know that my questions are, will it be on a decentralized exchange or will it be on a centralized exchange where a business in the real world lists their token on so that way we can trade it and buy it and hold it for those additional practical use benefits that we talked about in video one. So what's great about this is if it's on a decentralized exchange, what people are going to realize when they vote on different things on a decentralized exchange is, okay, so instead of how much yield we're operating, what businesses can we bring on board? And then we can get into the theory, which is one theory, because we we don't know what's going to happen with regulations yet. I talk to a lot of lawyers. I'm friends with a lot of lawyers, actually, and we discuss crypto and NFTs and stuff. And we're all asking the same questions, which is, which which direction will this go? 
okay? <laughs> so <laughs> will there be a certain decentralized exchange that specializes because you need specialization to really know in the area of Queens, New York, right? Or Hong Kong, China. Now, I know obviously different countries might be more pro or or not pro to, to these capitalist type of free enterprise ideas, which really is what the blockchain represents uh, in a lot of different ways and which will bring to us. But if we go with the hyperlocal theory, then let's say that in Queens, New York, there's a coffee shop, right? And then there's a decentralized exchange that lists all the businesses because businesses just own a lot of the decentralized exchange tokens. So let's say that there's a decentralized exchange called the Queens Exchange, okay? And now businesses can buy the Queen token, okay, for, for New York, Queens, New York. Now what you can guess or assume, and it could go the centralized route. It doesn't really matter, though, for the purpose of explaining these concepts. Now what you can what you can gather is for Queens, New York, these businesses know that the Queens, New York Exchange is a decentralized autonomous organization. And if they own tokens into the Queens Exchange, now they know that they have voting rights onto the exchange. What they also know is what the exchange rules are. So there's one uh, decentralized exchange that I've seen and I really like. It's called the uh, BDEX. It's part of BEARN.FI. They're a decentralized autonomous organization. And they do a lot of new products that we just have no idea if they're going to work or not. But at the same time, I love that they just keep building. They just keep building. They just keep building. And they've run into some roadblocks. They've also made some of the coolest products in DeFi. And I'm not being paid to say that. So what they did was they presented on their launch pad a, and if you don't know what a launch pad is, it's pretty simple. So a launch pad is another term that we use. So a launch pad basically allows a decentralized exchange like Uniswap or PancakeSwap to be, uh, so let's say that you want to make a cryptocurrency. Okay. How do you sell it? That's what a launch pad is. It's a place that you can partner with and list your liquidity with another pair of liquidity, whether it's BNB or whether it's uh, Ethereum, right? So people can now trade BNB, which is Binance, this is like local token, with your token pair, okay? So it's a place where you can now list your token so other people can use monetary value or a crypto value to exchange for your token. So now you can sell it. Now people can buy your token. So Queen, the Queen's Exchange, right? Let's say that local coffee shop example that we talked about lists on the Queen's Exchange. Now what the BDAX does, the BRN.BY decentralized exchange does, is any project that lists on their, their exchange or their launchpad in perpetuity, any fees generated, because there's a fee involved for trading onto an exchange, even if it's centralized, but a decentralized exchange, you might pay a fee of 0.01%. So let's say that you pay a higher fee of 0.1%. So now what they may do, like BDEX, is they say any fees generated for our exchange, if you launch on our exchange, because it's incentivizing people to launch on your exchange, we're going to give you 0.02, so 
of all the fees generated. So this now brings into question, okay, so now we have, and I'm running out of, or I, I, not running out, I always got more paper guys and girls, but I need another piece. <laughs> so here's the deal, okay? So now we have the coffee shop generating revenue in about five different directions, which is great for the coffee shop. It's going to be great for local business. It's going to be good for communities too. It's going to be good for local communities. And this is what I think people like, uh, I, I know people say Miami is the crypto hub of the world. I think they're starting to understand this. I really do. Now they're not there yet. They won't be for like five, 10 years maybe. But the sooner it gets there, it's going to get really cool and disruptive. And it's good that you guys are spending the time to educate yourselves here on this video. <laughs> Watch a J crypto for goodness sake. Um, so now we have this coffee shop, right? They're listed on the Queens exchange. Okay. And feel free to take notes. I always suggest to take notes because that's what I do when I watch videos listed on Queens exchange or mental notes, whatever you gotta do. So now what's great about this is whenever somebody buys their local token called, let's say the coffee token or sells the coffee token, they're generating passive income to their underlying companies like revenue pool, right? So let's say that there's extreme volatility in this coffee shop token the first few months because it's a new coffee shop. They're just starting to transition into decentralized times organization. Well, whatever kind of volatility there is, it's okay for the coffee shop, which is the most important thing from whatever perspective you have. Okay. Even if you're not the owner of the coffee shop, uh, because in video one, since you've watched that, you know that if you're not an owner of the coffee shop, you want the coffee shop to do well. If you're using the coffee shop tokens to get a free coffee every day or a three a week with a, two free sandwiches or meals, things of that nature. So let's say that they're generating fees through this, you know, mechanism, which is basically partnering with an exchange and then getting 20% of any fees generated from people trading the token on that exchange. Okay. So now the question becomes obviously looking into it for, and I told you from the very beginning of the first video, whether you're a project owner, whether you are an investor, whether you're a first time uh, DeFi like user or whether you don't even know what like DeFi is just yet, I'm going to add value to each of those different layers. So here's a layer for the most advanced people. The question is this, why wouldn't there be some sort of rules or some sort of uh, regulations in place in the benefit of the coffee shop to only allow the coffee shop token to trade on that exchange that gives them point or basically 20% of any fees generated on the exchange. Because currently you can take liquidity basically and provide it onto a lot of different exchanges. You can take liquidity and provide it onto a lot of different exchanges and earn fees. You can, there's ways to do it. So that's another question. But let's say in the world, there is a way to moderate or regulate 
okay, we're only going to be on the exchange. That gives us the 20%. And that's me and you just deciding as like the coffee shop owner, hey, look, we got to just kind of cut it off there. Only people on the Queens exchange can trade our token. Okay. Because right now there's there's a way to do that for, for uh, blockchains. So like Solana, you can't really get it on a lot of different exchange you can't get it on like pancake swap let's say right because it's 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 native to the solana network so that's kind of unless solana makes a bridge token that people can trust but that's why i think a lot of these blockchains aren't doing that because they want to see what happens first with the next wave of things to come anyways so now we have the Queen. So let's go through all the ways that the Queen's coffee or the uh, coffee shop in Queens, New York, is generating revenue. So the first way is obviously um, people buying their token, right? Giving because for any project owner, you're going to know this. I mean, if you start a cryptocurrency and let's say that you own about twenty five percent of it, every time that somebody invests into the token, you're making money. Like essentially your asset is growing, it's appreciating. That's why big companies IPO, right? Or um, things of that nature, or they they publish their stock on the New York Stock Exchange. It's so that way they can have a source of additional revenue as people invest into the company. So that's number one, okay? Number two is because of the tokenomics. So the first way is people buying the underlying token. for unique privileges to the coffee shop or as I call it an asset with practical use buying the underlying and if guys like you know by the way I, I know I'm a smaller channel but heck you know I think that the people watching this are really smart so if you're somebody like Robert Kiyosaki and you want to talk to me anytime just email me or drop a comment with a, I, I try to respond to all my comments um, below. I'll be happy to talk to you anytime, do a podcast or something. That'd be great. Buying the underlying token, number one, okay? Number two, the 3% rule. So the 3% rule is something I came up with in the last video to just demonstrate this third generation of tokenomics where you can actually design what kind of fees are generated when people buy and sell your token. So for example, I think I think a project to look at would be probably Yummy. <laughs> Yummy was a project that was basically designed to have a 10% fee structure of every buy and sell transaction. So what this would do is it would encourage number one, people to long-term hold the token because you're paying a 10% premium for buying the token. Number two, what it would do is it would do 3% of the 10 to holders, okay? Then you got 3% would go to um, charity. And they did this through live streams. I haven't checked in with Yummy in a bit, but the project owner or whatever, it was a super small scale project project owner would do these live streams of donating to Binance Smart Chain charity. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it looked pretty legit. You know, he would just like show it at the time he was donating like, <laughs> like a million dollars to charity some days. 
But then you had 3% as well. Um, that would go to burning the token. I think they changed their tokenomics a bit. I'm not really sure. I haven't checked in. But just to give you an example, what is a burn? So for the newer people, I always like to just circle back. So a burn is when basically Yummy would take 3% of the token. So let's say $100 of you know, tax was generated from one transaction. Then three or yeah, thirty dollars, thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents to infinite would be going towards uh what they call a buyback and burn. So you would basically take that um thirty-three dollars, you would buy the yummy token, and then you would send it to what's called a dead wallet that no one has access to. And you would do that through arbitrarily, you know, some people just do, a, um, I've, I've seen them, the uh, random wallet generators, but be careful with those because sometimes the random wallet generator numbers, which is why I think that they probably stopped too, getting so many, so much traction would be like an actual wallet. So somebody would just be burning all these tokens to some, some real wallet. Um, so how it works in DeFi and why you've probably heard on, I don't watch, you know, big, big news stations like Fox or whatever. But if you're from that world and you're just like watching the news, you've heard that people lose Bitcoin and it can never be found again. Well, it's essentially because they've sent it to a dead wallet that no one has access to. And you need private keys. You need you need to know the passwords. You need all that stuff to be able to like access a MetaMask wallet. So that crypto is gone forever, essentially, because if nobody can access it right now, then it's pretty much gone forever. So that's what it is. So basically, why is that important? Because it actually puts a positive buy pressure on the underlying token. Because when you take the token and you essentially burn it, then what you're doing, and it's really cool, is you're you're buying circulating supply, okay, which will increase the price but you're also putting it in a place that no one can ever sell that token again. Um, so that's why like, it's kind of like increasing the price because you know that like, it's the same thing if everybody bought all the tokens and just held like the price wouldn't increase because you only have so much circulating supply. So that's what I call the 3% rule. And what I was using in my other video was okay so now you have three percent one percent going towards whatever the expenses of the company one per on every buyer sell transaction this is the second way that the coffee shop can make money through being a decentralized autonomous organization that they otherwise couldn't just by selling their coffees like a product you got a you got basically every buyer sell now also has a fee so don't confuse one and two. So the first one is the fees that are charged by the exchange, right? They may charge 0.01% fee of whatever transaction is. Now you also can design in tokenomics. I don't think it's going to be like yummy where you have like 10%, but you can design a 3% where 1% goes to all the holders, 1% goes to the company, and then what, like the expenses of the, the company, it's all on the blockchain. So you can see what they're spending it on eventually. And then the other one will go towards, you know, burning the token, increasing the token's price. Therefore, it's kind of good for the coffee shop too, and all the holders. 
Okay, so now the company is making money that way. They're, they're making money, number one, by people buying the underlying token, number two, by the 3% rule, and number three, by the 20% rule, which is driven by the exchange that they're listed on, right? So the first way that they're making money is just by people buying their underlying token because it's going to increase the price of all their tokens. The second way for one more time for people that just want a shortened version that may be a little bit more advanced, don't need all the explanations. So the first way is people buying the token increases the price because the coffee shop owns a lot of those tokens. So therefore their assets are going up in value. Number two, the second way is through passive income through the 3% rule because um, they're basically doing, doing now number, number two I'm not going to try to explain it again too much, but the first way of number two, so 2.1, is that 1%, if they charge a 3% fee on every buy and sell, is going to all the holders of the token. The coffee shop will hold a lot of their own tokens, so they're making more interest on every single transaction. And then the other way, so 2.2, if you're writing notes, would be through a buyback and burn, let's call it because the coffee shop will be sending 1% of those tokens to a wallet that will never be in existence again. And then the third way, so that was one and two, so the third way is through a 20% commitment fee for listing on the Queens Exchange if you're a coffee shop in New York. And that's cool because what that will do is it will allow you basically to from every fee generated from the Queen Exchange, so make sure if you're a decentralized autonomous organization that you wait a bit and see which exchanges are giving you the best incentive. If you launch on the Queen's Exchange because it's a local exchange, it's decentralized, people in Queens have the token, businesses have the token, and we've already raised the concerns and questions, like I, I have too. Um, so we're gonna just pretend that that stuff gets figured out because this isn't a prediction video, this is a concept and real use video of trying to explain different directions that crypto and nfts can be used in the real world 20 percent of all the fees generated from buys and sells on your token are also going back to the coffee shop okay now the fourth way that they can make money through becoming a decentralized autonomous organization is through selling nfts okay they can do this through various different means right so this is going to be four and five so the fourth way, going back to our goal, let me just see what time it is, 26. So I'll try to wrap this up here. But the fourth way is if they have a gold, silver, and a bronze NFT. Now the gold NFT gets 1% of all their revenue. I know what you're thinking. What the heck, J Crypto? What are you doing, man? That means that they're getting they're they're losing money. I I know I understand, but it's just not how it works because you'll see in a second. Silver is 0.1% of all the revenue, right? And then let's say bronze is 0.01%. So what do these NFTs cost? Well, gold will cost in this example, and this is super arbitrary, so don't take my numbers and use it in the real world. $1 million silver will be $100,000 and then bronze will be $10,000. Okay. What's great about this is it's a tiered system. Okay. 
So automatically, you're probably seeing now that the fourth way for decent for a decentralized autonomous organization coffee shop in Queens, New York to make money is by selling these NFTs, because guess what? They're they just made for let's say that they have three gold tokens because they can't be you know selling too much of their revenue. And then they have, let's say, I don't know, 30 silver and then they have 300 bronze. Well, when somebody buys a gold NFT, this is where it gets really, really fun. Okay, for somebody to buy a gold NFT, and this is where property rights violations are my questions, and I'm not going to go into this too much in this video, but when somebody buys a gold NFT for a million dollars, what the coffee shop can do, which is what beer, I'll give credit, beer.fi, they did this for their loyalty NFT program. I'm still watching that project, by the way. What they can do is they can make them buy it with the underlying asset of the coffee shop, right? So instead of buying it with US dollars, they can say, hey, look, you have to buy it with our underlying asset, the coffee shop token, because now this generates money in about three different directions as well. And this is where good accountants will step in and be like, well, you can't do that because of this, this, and this. This is where good lawyers will start to raise your questions that I'm raising too. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. what the heck are they going to do about this? Guys, think about this. Somebody buys a gold NFT and just the coffee shop tokens. That means the market cap of the coffee shop token goes up by a million dollars. Now, why is it good for the user of the NFT? Here's why. Because... What they can do. So let's say instead of a million dollars worth of the tokens, let's say that each token costs a dollar and they have to lock up, which is a term used for not necessarily a transaction, but instead like just putting aside an amount of tokens in exchange for something, right? So they have to lock up a million of these coffee shop tokens. And right now, if the price is a dollar, then boom, the market cap goes up by how much? A million dollars. So essentially the coffee shop makes a million dollars worth of value into their underlying asset. They're selling three of these so they can actually make about $3 million worth of value by giving away 1% of their revenue. So that's one way that the coffee shop makes money. Why it's good for the user is because if you lock up those tokens, then you can actually say to the coffee shop, hey, look, here's the deal. Or not, not say to the coffee shop. You don't have to interact with the coffee shop at all. You can actually go to your NFT portal on the coffee shop's website and say, I want to redeem my NFT. I'll give it back to the coffee shop so they can sell it to somebody else. I'll no longer receive the 1%, but I want my coffee shop tokens back because I need them for something else or they've appreciated so much. Okay. So basically it means that the asset's really liquid and they're earning passive income of 1% if they just hold it. And Technically, they still have their coffee shop tokens. So that way, when they need to redeem it because they're just done getting the passive income, they can whenever they want. Now, what's preventing them from just, you know, selling it right away when the price goes up? Okay, well, here's what, what the coffee shop can do. They can propose if you're going to buy this million dollar NFT, you have to hold it for three years. Okay, and if you sell it before three years, a 30% fee will be imposed. So that means that 30, 300,000 of the tokens that are worth $1 each, so $300,000, if that's the price of it at the time, are going to be basically given to the coffee shop's ecosystem. Now, the NFT holder of the gold 
tier NFT that costs a million coffee shop tokens, if they hold their NFT, just remember, for three years, no fee will be imposed. They can exchange it anytime after that. And then they can also say if you guys, if the NFT holder redeems it after a year, then there's only a 20% fee. If the NFT holder redeems it after two years, there's only a 10% fee, but that's still $100,000 if the token's $1. Okay, so why is that also good for the coffee shop? Well, I told you guys that there's about five to 10 different ways a coffee shop can make money by listing on a decentralized autonomous organization or not listing on a decentralized autonomous organization, but becoming one, right? So here's the other way. Every time an NFT, let's say is uh, sold. So this is where the property rights, I have a lot of questions on like beearn.fi. I'm not sure if you can really sell the NFTs. Like if you can't, if you can sell it to somebody else. So I, I would have to do more research about that. I'm not sure they figured out a way to do that, but with with NFT, if it's considered property, right, then you need to be like real estate. You need to be able to sell it whenever you want. You need to that like that's that's the rule. If you look at what makes real estate property, I believe that that's what it literally says: is you need to be able to sell it. And if you're a lawyer or accountant, because I know a ton of like lawyers and accountants probably follow my channel, um, you can comment below what what your perspective is. I'd love to hear it, but. If you can't sell it and you can only redeem it, I feel like that might be a violation of digital property rights, which is probably on the forefront of what exists. So what I think is you also will need to be able to sell it. Now, why is this important? Because with an NFT, since it's a digital asset, you can design into the protocol and the investor will know because it's very common for NFTs to have this, a royalty functionality. So now what you can do is basically allow for the NFT or for the coffee shop to get 10% every time the NFT changes hands. So if it changes hands for $2 million, let's say the coffee shops, oh, it's killing it, right? And the NFT holder doesn't want to have to redeem the tokens because the token price fell 50%. So they just sell it instead. And um, so I just kind of contradicted myself. So let me go through two different examples. The first one is, let's say that the NFT holder wants to sell the token as if it was an option contract because the token price goes way up, but three years hasn't passed, okay? So they need to, they can't redeem their initial tokens, but they wanna get their tokens back, their value back. Instead, allow them to sell it and pay a 10% royalty under three years, right? Something like that to the effect. So if you didn't catch that, let me say that one more time. So the coffee shop, uh, NFT owner of the gold NFT paid 1 million for the NFT. Let's say that the token price is $2 now. So technically their locked up value went up by a million dollars and it's only been about three months. Then what the copy, the uh, NFT holder can do is instead of having to redeem the NFT and pay so even though they're getting the passive income, they say, you know what, I just need to liquidate it. Like I've made too much money on this already. They can go to a specified, which is important and advanced blockchain. People will know why I say this because certain uh, NFT marketplaces probably won't impose the 10% royalty. So a specified NFT marketplace will. So basically how this would work is the NFT owner can sell it for $2 million dollars. And then the person who gets it, right, so sells it for two, sells, 
for two million. Now they pay two hundred thousand dollars to the coffee shop of royalties because it's designed into the NFT. So two hundred thousand dollars goes towards coffee shop, but the NFT holder just made one point eight million on the sale. Okay, and then the person that gets the NFT, the person that receives it, gets one percent a day of all coffee shops revenue. And we got and we went over a little bit on on how and why this would work in the previous video. So make sure you check out part one if you still haven't and watch the whole thing because if you haven't, then a lot of this stuff shouldn't make complete sense yet. So the new NFT owner, so person, so if person A sells it for two million, he gets you know one point eight million because he has to pay a ten percent royalty fee to the coffee shop for you know selling that NFT. Um, because the project owner is the coffee shop in this example, then person B, what do they get? Well, they paid $2 million um, probably in the form of coffee shop tokens, which again generates those fees, which generates more money for the coffee shop. The reason why this is going to work is why wouldn't businesses do this? As soon as they understand it, as soon as there's an infrastructure in place, why wouldn't they do this? Like there's too many reasons to, to, to do it. And it benefits the person too. And it benefits the government because more capital gains, more taxation, once they have a CBDC, it'll help. So this is why I have, I have such firm conviction on it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how. So basically, what person B gets, just to run it over, is they pay $2 million worth of coffee shop tokens. This is unbelievable. Every time I think about it, it's just unbelievable. They pay $2 million of coffee shop tokens right? For this NFT that generates 1% a day of revenue. Now the coffee shop obviously needs to be justifiably making enough revenue for that investor to do it. We're not going to talk about that part yet because we're not going to strategize that. Um, there will be probably financial advisors that will help people do that in the future. But what do they get? So now the new owner gets 1% a day and they have the right upon three years to redeem the coffee shop NFT for 1 million coffee shop tokens. Let me say that again. Person B pays 2 million for the NFT. They're now making a passive stream of income forever as long as they want, basically, and they have and they could claim it every single day how of the coffee shop's revenue. Every single day they can claim it and use it for something else. They can claim it and reinvest it, reinvest dividends, whatever they want to do. But they're also entitled to the million dollars of locked tokens because person A is no longer entitled to that. That's why the NFT sold for so much is because on an open marketplace, market value, you also have to remember that that NFT has locked coffee shop tokens as well, right? And you can design on, so obviously that generates, do you guys need me to go into why that generates so much money for the coffee shop? I don't think so. So I'm not going to but that's about 10 different ways that the coffee shop, the person all benefit from this new metric and system and with technology and APIs and AI, what it's really going to do for coffee shops and why a lot of coffee shops will go this direction, in my opinion, it's going to automatically um, supply routes for every transaction to go towards certain different properties of running the business, whether it be 
restoring inventory, whether it be, a, uh, I won't say a lease, because hopefully they own their own real estate for the coffee shop to do this, and they should be able to in no time if they don't. But let's say a lease to pay their rent. Um, let's say, you know, I don't know, just like a bunch of different stuff, man. And the NFT owners, you can supply different bonuses. Like, for example, they get one free copy a day or two free copies a day. And then we can go into lending out that NFT in the future where now you can give people a 30-day permission to basically make 1% a day or all, so now you're lending out an asset. Like imagine having an investment property and lending it out. Like that's insane. Like that's insane. That's unbelievable. But you can't do it with investment property because there's not like a practical use besides making the passive income. So like that's why it would work with a coffee shop because you can say, hey, I can lend out this asset now and this person can make 1% a day in the summer when the coffee shop's doing really well. I'll make X amount of money for lending it out, but also this person can basically you know, now, um, let's say get a free coffee every day because they're going to be in Manhattan in the summer or Queens in the summer or something like that. And don't think about the coffee shop too much because I don't want you guys to get stuck on like, okay, what are the intricacies of a coffee shop? Why would somebody lend out an NFT to just get a cup of coffee? Don't think about it like that. Think about like, oh wow, so if you can lend out an NFT of that much value and we haven't even gone through the silver bronze NFTs with much less, you know, revenue sharing, but maybe more practical uses, right? Like maybe you get coffee, if you get 10 cups of coffee a day, then you can lend out a fractionalized NFT that gives that you can lend it out to 10 different people for like a week or a month, right? That aspect of it. So I don't know, it's craziness, but I'm thinking about it probably nonstop. So hopefully that gives you guys just a general direction of where this stuff is going and what the possibilities will be. I just want to emphasize the part about, you know, listen, I, I was brought up in a smaller business. So I know from the business point of view, this will make things a lot easier. It won't be intuitive for a lot of people. It will take time and there's a lot of friction for it to manifest where businesses are able to accept this and not rigidly fight this, but it will make a lot of sense for businesses and you can definitely, definitely, definitely maximize efficiency on all spending, on all internal revenue and you can design it yourself. If you're the head, if you're on the helm, you can say, well, I want 2% before I do this decentralized autonomous organization. So that way, at least my family is protected and I'm making some money too, not, not just the business. It's all, it's all code. You can do it through code. And the only thing about it is you don't have to do all the accounting yourself because the blockchain and the actual uh, protocol will be doing it, which is another reason why, okay, yes, will this take out some jobs? Yeah, maybe. I don't think it will take out accounting jobs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying jobs will be lost with every technological shift. But if you look at most people probably in their 20s, what they're studying, I mean, how do you how do you how do you get a position that is going to be around for a long time? Well, you look into the future and you see that all these businesses, what they're going to need is a very firm infrastructure 
of being able to drag and drop and have some level of control, but also have the necessarily help from the human aspect to design and, and, and basically fix any bugs that come up. And that's what's being built now with Cardano. I think computer programmers will still have, you know, so much demand in the future and things of that nature. A little bit different of a video, guys and girls. It's nice to finally meet you. I haven't even showered yet. I've just been tirelessly researching and learning. So I, I, I don't look my best, but I don't care. I'm not here to pick up chicks. I got my own chick. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy about this video, man. I'm going to post this and... Thank you so much for watching still if you are. I know it's 40 minutes. Jeez. I might do these more often though and just explain in different situations um, because I do think this helps kind of conceptualize all the different potentials and for a lot of people that are curious about things, I mean, this kind of is something you can just plug in. I'll also have this on my podcast. Um, I'm on Apple Podcast too if you want to just look up Crypto. I got the same logo as my YouTube and there you can just go on a walk or a run and just listen. And then you don't need to see my my, my ugly mug <laughs> as you're doing that. All right, dudes and dudettes, that's Jake Crypto. The goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. Got to have a goal, man. Got to wake up to have a goal. Um, by, what was it? October. October. So by October, you know, maybe this is the video to do it. I might turn people away because of my ugly mug, but what the heck, you know. I'm sure there's a lot of people that really don't care how I look. Um, by October, so that's kind of cool. And then this is Jay Crypto, as always. I'm out. I got to shave, too. Later, guys.